Around every corner, when those of us that walk with Jesus, around every corner there's a tension that life highlights. How many are walking through a tension right now? You're navigating what that looks like. Okay, this is why we're doing this journey. How do we do that with Jesus? How do we walk with Jesus so that he helps us navigate through them so that we become more intimate in relationship with him? It is so very important. And last week, we went through verses, the, the second half of 13 and chapter 1 through 15, um, and we talked about expectations. How many carry extreme expectations about life? Okay. How many struggle with laying them down and saying, Lord, they're yours? Okay. And what happens when we don't do that? What? You get disappointed? Let's, it stinks. Because I'll tell you what, I make my plans... I'm not a big planner, but I do make plans, and I have expectations, and when I am not walking with Jesus in the way that I know I could be or should be, those expectations fall short of what he has for me. But if I surrender them, then I open myself and my life to a plethora of possibilities of what he can do that will go beyond what I could comprehend. And that's the God we serve. And that's the gospel that we live out and then we step into is one that goes beyond what we can think or come up with. I love imagination when it's healthy. Okay? It's fantastic, isn't it? We get to create, we get to dream up, but guess what? All the imaginations in this room could not conjure up the reality of God. What he's going to do, how he's going to do it. The Jews who had been walking with God, they're the chosen people, could not fathom that the Messiah would be in the form of Jesus and he would die on a cross. That wasn't on their radar. And even when Jesus told some of his disciples the flat-out truth that that was going to happen, it still wasn't on their radar. And when we cling to our expectations and our perceptions of Scripture and and, and our projections of ourselves on Scripture, we're going to be sadly disappointed and fall short of what he has for us. And what he has for us is him. Him. Sometimes we think it's something else. But he has all these blessings of favor. Yeah, he does. But they come from whom? Him. And last week established, you get him. When we talk about heaven, it's not a place so much as it is a with whom. It's not about where we go, it's about who we're with. And sometimes our expectations tell us something differently. Well, today, (laughs) it doesn't get any easier. And it it really doesn't. We're going to enter in verse 16, and we might be here a couple of weeks. We're really zooming through Romans. We started in February, and we're in verse 16 of chapter (laughs) 1. I was talking about chapter 5 with someone this morning, and I said, I'll be a grandpa by then but it'll be fun. Many of us know this. And today I think God wants to give us a fresh look at this passage. And I'm going to read through 17, but we are going to focus and camp on verse 16 today. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Who's heard that? Huge statement. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of Of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith. From first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by 
faith. When I was young, I think some of the best cartoons ever were in the 80s. Some like Looney Tunes and some other stuff. But man, I liked all of the action cartoons that were going on. Because there was this good versus evil kind of thing. And that was when you didn't need to have a big cliffhanger or big twist to mind jack you. The good guy won. And you knew you were going into the show with the good guy winning. I love that. But today when you go to a movie, it's either the bad guy wins or the good guy dies. And you're like, come on. Why can't we just, I'm okay for it being predictable. As long as I leave feeling good. Well, it's not realistic. Look, I live in the real world every day. I go to the movie so I can escape that. I don't want to go, you know. But I loved that mentality of the hero and this, oh, I have a mission and a battle and I want to fight that battle. That was the tone that I got. And I remember when I first saw uh, Braveheart. Who's seen Braveheart? Okay, come on. I mean, you uh, talk about a righteous cause and talk about, you know, the, the war paint, the, the humor, the battles. And you just, when you're done watching that movie, if you don't want to pick up a sword and conquer evil, I, you didn't watch the same movie. The war paint, I mean, the camaraderie, you're going, yes, this is it. Now, how we approach scripture, we bring our perspective we, bring, we project sometimes. And what we're going to do this morning is look at the tone of this passage. Because when I used to read this passage and I hear, I am not ashamed of the gospel. That's how I hear it. It's like this battle cry. It's like, oh man, I'm going to go and show everyone I'm not ashamed that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, see that hill? I'm going to take that hill. Well, see the conditions of our culture around us? I'm going to battle them because that's my battle. And I'm going to do that in the name of Jesus because I'm not ashamed. Well, here's the deal. When I'm reading, especially Paul, because Paul, he's a spiritual stud. I mean, this is a guy that is tough. He's hardy. Is that not the perception we have of Paul mostly? I mean, he's this guy. You don't mess with Paul. Paul knows Jesus. He loves Jesus. He's determined. He's been, he, stones have been thrown at him. I mean, he's been almost killed so many times. He's been shipwrecked. He keeps going. You're going, man, freedom. It's that kind of guy. So why wouldn't he be saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel? Remember, though, this is a letter, not a sermon he's preaching. And we have just been through everything that, that um, precedes this statement. Tone is very important to understand. Because if we look at it in this combative tone, then when we hear gospel, it is a combative kind of sense. And we don't necessarily do that on purpose. But I felt that way. I knew this passage growing up in the church, but I also knew about relational living with Jesus. I knew that, but it didn't matter because when I saw this kind of stuff and I saw people not walking with Jesus, you better be sure I let them know. You know what? And they said, Brendan, you're right. I'm going to change my life. (laughs) Most times it didn't happen that way because the tone of my countenance It didn't matter my intention. The tone in which it was given was not healthy. Now, the Jews expected this from their Messiah. 
They expected their Messiah to be this warrior king. Ah, the William Wallace. The conqueror. And it's not what they got. They got someone that lived in power and authority, but with a different tone that wasn't on their radar. They were looking at it differently. I think I, I, I'm in firm belief that when you look at everything that Paul had written up to this, and it really doesn't seem like much, but we've been through this in this series for five months already, and there's a lot there. I believe it was more like this. He's writing this. He goes, man, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it really is, it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. See, when he's talking about the gospel, and we've established through looking at the Greek when he says gospel previously in the previous verses, he's, he's not solely talking about his death and resurrection. That's the first important primary piece that leads us into, now what does that look like? And walking that out with Jesus and with one another every single day. Now remember, Paul's life had a very certain tone before he met Jesus, did it not? And he was, this was a Braveheart kind of guy. He was, he was moving out of his convictions. He was a staunch Jew. He believed in the law. And he, he thought Jesus and those that followed Jesus were outside of that law. So for him, it was his battle to find them, put them in jail, kill them, whatever he needed to do to persecute them. And we look at that. And that tone, that combative tone. And it's hard to shake that from when he meets Jesus. And get, because people, I, I guarantee you, had trouble because Paul's name was known. Now he's living with Jesus for Jesus? So that you can know Jesus? You're going, okay, I'm getting punked. Something's happening here. I'm going to get thrown in jail. Because they're expecting the same tone. The tone of Paul's life changed on the road to Damascus. It changed. One, he realized it's relational because now he's known. And Jesus didn't shrink back from him. Jesus pursued him. He's known. And he wasn't rejected. Now his resume, that in itself should disqualify him. Yes? How often do we say yes to the name of Jesus but disqualify ourselves because of our resume? Way too often. Way too often. And we can say all we want. It's about being with Jesus. But oftentimes, we disqualify ourselves. Because we forget that when we encounter Jesus, the tone of our life changes. It's different. It looks different. The more and more we engage him. The gospel Paul is talking about that he's not ashamed of is the relational reality of Jesus and that he's loved. That is the gospel he's talking about. He is saved out of, because of love. And he's saved for a relationship with Jesus because of love. He's not ashamed of that. And ashamed in the Greek means to not believe the big lie. I think that's great because there's a difference between shame and conviction. Conviction is different. Conviction is a God word. God making us aware of what had just happened in which we have missed the mark. But he doesn't want us to live in brokenness. He wants to us to live in wholeness. And how often do, as, as Christians, do we feel like we have to live in brokenness all the time? 
It's one thing to be aware of our brokenness so that we can receive healing from Jesus. It's another to go, well, I'm a Christian, and so humility means I have to be broken all the time. Oh, because as a parent, you want your kids to feel broken all the time. No. You want them to, li- to live in a sense of wholeness and healing. And so this is what Paul's trying to convey. He says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not believing the lie of my situation because my resume would say this to me. That I'm not deserving, that I shouldn't be doing this, that I have no right to be doing this. It doesn't matter. God's love trumps what we think we're entitled to for good or for bad. It's bigger than that. And then we get into the portion in verse 17 where it's all about faith. And faith in itself means trust. Without trust, love isn't love. Without trust, faith isn't faith. So Paul is saying, I trust the relational simplicity of walking with Jesus. I trust that. I'm not ashamed of that. Sometimes, sometimes we can go, mm, because of what that simplicity costs us. Because, let's be honest, walking with Jesus is hard. It is easier to follow a list of things because you know where you're at. You either do it or you don't. But sometimes it's hard to identify what Jesus is doing in your life. Am I the only one? And so we, we begin to believe the big lie. That there must be more than the simplicity of just walking with Jesus. That means we start becoming ashamed. Get a different idea of what ashamed means. Because it's about believing something that's not true in that moment about who you are. But oftentimes, we look through our expectations, we look through our own perceptions, and we project that onto Jesus, and then we become ashamed. See, Paul's trying to simplify it for everybody. And he does by saying, hey, I, Paul, am a slave to Christ. And that could have been the end of the letter. Because we could explore that reality and what that means for the rest of our days, could we not? And so he keeps coming back to that. I am not ashamed of this gospel. The gospel is relationship with Jesus, period. His death and resurrection is covered by that relationship. It's in there. It's part of the gospel, but sometimes we leave it there. Now, an embarrassing thing, and this is true, just being honest, and I'm going to invite you to be honest with me. If I go into a bathroom, you know the first thing I do? I look, and people go, oh, no. I look at the mirror. When I walk in and the mirror's over here, I'm going, ooh. Oh, I came in here to go to the bathroom. Oh. And what happens, hopefully this preaches, <laughs> when that happens... What, I th- what I'm doing is I'm going, what do I need to look like? I need to feel confident about myself. What expectations do I have on myself? What expectations do other people have on myself? And my percep- perception, even though there's a mirror in front of me, I'm, interpretly different. I'm interpreting what I see much differently than how God sees me. Because now I'm going, what I see is how I'm now developing my expectations upon myself, which are directing my actions. And now I'm beginning to live outside of what God has for me. Because he is looking at me as he looked at Paul on the road to Damascus and is saying that 
Paul, I created Paul, let there be Paul. He is good because he's mine. And but when I look in the mirror and I'm going, Ooh, yeah, no, what do I need to do? I am walking outside of my identity and trying to live in another one. And I start to become ashamed of the gospel that I'm his. And then I'm watching my children and <laughs> they get some of my bad habits. When I'm trying to discipline my daughter, who's wonderful, she's sitting on the, her bed and she's got a mirror in front of her. And I go, Gracie, do you understand what you did? Um, yeah. Here's a, I'm over here. Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I make eye contact with him. Yeah. <laughs> Sweetie, stop looking at the mirror. Okay. I, I did. Do we not do that? <laughs> and one way or another, do we not do that? And the gospel changes for us there. In the sense that it becomes more convoluted. We've now added something to it. We've now changed something to it for us. It's always been the same, but we perceive it differently. We give it a different tone. Now it's about this and this and this and this, and not simply this that affects all of that. I've given it a different tone. How many of you want to see the tone of your life change and be transformed? It's okay. This is good. Because newsflash, those of us that walk in Christ Jesus are being transformed through the Holy Spirit with an ever-increasing glory. We're always being transformed, but what do we want to be transformed into? And who's doing the transforming? Who are we giving lordship over our lives to? Our perceptions that we project onto Jesus? Are we allowing the simplicity of our road to Damascus moment to, go, to lead us back to that point of, this is why I love him. So I live out of that place. And that's the gospel. Because that's where my relationship started with him. And I realized that the death and the resurrection was about me being with him. And his love for me. That's the simplicity. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I do not want to walk into any situation and live out of my insecurities. I've done that way too long. Way too long. Who's done that way too long? We're in a world where it would be easy to be combative combative with our intentions of what the gospel looks like and how it should be lived out. But that combative mentality and tone with Jesus is not necessarily led us in the right direction. Are there times to fight? Yes. But what does that look like? Because the kind of fight that Jesus did on this earth was very different than what anyone else could have imagined. Totally different. Because I, I was the shortest guy in the room usually in high school. I was like 4'11", going into ninth grade. And anyone that got picked on, especially that was my size, I go, here's my battle. Here's my Braveheart moment. Scotsmen are short anyways, so this is great. I'm really being authentic. And I'm going to go get the bully, which usually meant hit and run, because I'd get creamed. And I had this combative tone. Jesus did not have that tone. He stood in the middle of that, and he loved in a way that goes beyond our definition of love. And it changed the environment. 
The environment out there doesn't need more Bible thumping. It needs people that are living the word of God with Jesus and being in a manifestation of that. And that will change because that is the gospel we are not ashamed of. A simple understanding that we are to be with Jesus and manifest his character because we're right next to him. And when that happens, the world does change. It does. We don't always get to see it, and it's the most frustrating part sometimes. You don't know if your faithfulness has had an effect, but guess what? Do you think Paul knew that everyone in here is most likely a Christian and knows about Jesus because of his yes to the gospel in his life? Don't discount yourself, because then you're looking in that mirror instead of living out of your identity of your belo- as a beloved. And that is God's eyes on you. That title, that reality, is God's eyes on you. That's what he sees. I don't discredit my, or discount my kids because they make mistakes. I don't like it when they do stuff like that. But my love for them is greater and my contempt in the moment. This is the gospel that has been handed to us through Jesus, and the Holy Spirit leads us through and it helps us navigate what that looks like and how to live into it. I don't have all the answers to all the questions, but you know what? That's fantastic. Because walking with Jesus and, and trusting him, trusting him, which is faith, trusting him means if I don't know, I can either ask him or say, I don't know. But the insecure me, I feel like I'd have to have an answer. I used to make excuses for everything, be reactive and defensive about everything. I had to be put in self-control classes because I was so reactive, because I felt so insecure. I felt so isolated. I I felt terrible about myself because I let the opinions of others and, and the expectations of others guide my decisions and my thoughts. And I was missing what God had in front of me. So every time I look at the mirror, I feel like i got to step into something that's false, that's fake, that isn't what God has for me. You know what he has for me? Some will say blessings, some will say this. He has him. That's what I get. Because we'll, we'll pray that in prayers. God, we want all that you have for us. I've said that. I probably said it today. Who said that? Lord, I, w- I want to receive all that you have for me. It is never absent of him. Anything that you get from him is an expression and an extension of him. It's not, oh, I get this new car. Oh, that's what he has for me. No, 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 no. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe he blesses you with that. He's the prize. He's the prize. And, because, and that's pretty simple, isn't it? Hard to apply and live out but clear. He's the prize. He's the gospel. And so if we look at it with that tone, of that tone of there's a tenderness and a gentleness because it's relational and it's power. It's the power of God, it says here. The gospel, which is a relational word, relational good news, is the power of God. The power. That's, it's all about trust. That's what we get to step into. And there's nothing to be ashamed of in that. Nothing. Sometimes, I'll be honest, I mean, I, 
I get expectations thrown at me all the time from every angle. It doesn't matter whether it's family, whether it's, you know, you, you get, how many, you get them from everywhere. And it's hard not to crumble under some of those expectations. But the question should be, not am I living up to those ex- expectations, but where am I in proximity to Jesus? Because I feel if I've distanced myself from them, those take root and those take hold. And I begin to look at myself through the eyes of everything around me instead of through his eyes and living out of that place of identity. I'm really praying that God will continue to change the tone in my life. And I, and I pray that he continues to do that for us as a body because that's how we're going to navigate the tensions in this world of staying with him and the tone will change. Look at Paul's life. I'm thankful for Paul's life. Because that guy was a maniac. And then he became a Christian maniac. (laughs) One who just was ruthlessly in love with Jesus. And I believe he was more tender and gentle than we give him credit for. Because we still look at him through a different tone. So, when we read, I'm not ashamed of the gospel... My prayer is that we look at that from a relational understanding, not this combative understanding, because good, healthy relationship and love, if love covers a multitude of sins, if it gets rid of it, if it crushes, love crushes sin, what do you think the most powerful combative weapon is? For us to live and and walk with the one that is himself love. And I don't know how to navigate all these things, specifically, I just know that he will, and he'll show me. But i got to stay with him. Amen? Well, as we uh, enter this time of tithes and offerings and more worship, um, and I mean this in a gentle way, not not a way for you to feel bad or guilty or anything like that. If conviction happens, okay. Raise your hand again if you want to see the tone of your life change a little bit. Okay. All right. And that's good. And, and that tone, I think, is linked to our trust and our quotient of trust with the Lord. So I would have you ask uh, this question in prayer. Where, where is it that I need to, or I could be stepping into trust more fully? Allow yourself to look. Allow God lead you to look through some of the things in your life right now. And where are some areas of trust you could be stepping into and giving him lordship over so that you can begin to see the tone of your life continue to transform? So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness, your faithfulness. We thank you that we don't need to be slaves to the mirror, to the expectation, false expectation of others and ourselves. Lord, there are many of us that really want to see the tone of our lives change as as Paul's did. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit that ministers to us and continues to transform us and speak to us. And we ask that we would not be resistant to Holy Spirit's movement in our lives. That we would allow that good hard work to proceed in our lives so that we can continue to stay with you. Because... More times than not, the simplest things in life are the hardest to be consistent in and the hardest to apply. 
So I thank you that you don't make your gospel complicated, but you make it clear. You are the way and the truth and the life. And we're to walk with you. We're to be where you are. Stay with you. So we ask that you bless our tithes and offerings, that we would continue to step into trust, that we would ruthlessly trust you, that we would go after trust more ruthlessly than we did before we walked in here. And it's hard. But we thank you for your grace and your mercy as you walk with us through our days of transformation. And we thank you that you're our prize. That when we die, it's not about where we go, but who we're with. Thank you, Lord. So we ask that you would continue to speak truth and breakthrough in our lives in this time of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Valleys make room for the river of God. Deserts will bloom in the light of your love. Valleys make room for the river of God. You never run dry, never run dry, never run dry, no. Your 